0: Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash
1: Elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today
0: in addition today's podcast is presented by racing rvs based near dayton ohio racing rvs is your source for quality new or used trucks motorhomes and trailers whether you're buying selling or trading make racing rvs your first call
2: and it's all that we know it's the way
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it.
0: This week, our lead story comes from, I guess, sort of an unexpected source There's a Facebook group called um, Bracket Racing Tech. I know a lot of you are familiar with it. A lot of our members are probably members of Bracket Racing Tech. It's got 20,000 plus members, moderated by a a racer out of South Kentucky named Jason Haley. And it was about 24 hours ago from the time of this recording that Jason posted seemingly uh, a simple question to the group. Said If you could change one thing about bracket racing, what would you change? And the response has been overwhelming. Like I say, within 24 hours of that post, there are like 800 comments. It um, goes in a lot of different directions as to be expected on social media, namely Facebook. There's a lot of garbage, uh, just um, junk responses. But but in saying that, there's also a fair amount of interesting perspective, maybe surprising commentary or surprising trends I just thumbed through this. I think Jed, I get the impression, at least, that you've followed this a little bit more closely than I have, at least to this point. Curious to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, Luke, as you said, a lot of attention to that post, I, and I didn't realize the sport needed so much change or people wanted so much change. But reading through it, there, as you stated, there was a typical internet bullcrap in there. People just joking, having fun, and I saw a lot of. I guess, selfish posts that, you know, maybe it would make racing better for them. But what I took from it was that there were some really good ideas out there and some people that have the best interest of the sport in mind that might try to take away some of the great racers' advantage, which I get. I think we need to try to find ways to make it as fair as we can in the sport, like taking out long throw buttons for no-box racers. You know, the best no-box racers in the world probably don't need that. Deep staging guaranteed. I like that. I like the option of that as uh, the ETS system, my uncle's timing system was mentioned and it guarantees deep with the touch of a button. So I I like that it puts it on auto start, which is very simple and fair. I mentioned the shot clock idea that we talked about here on the podcast uh, earlier in the episodes and, you know, maybe some kind of staging shot clock to keep these staging battles and long routines from happening that got some attention. So I think there were a lot of good ideas in there where they were hard to find, as you can imagine, 800 posts and what you get from the guys just with plenty of time on their hand, that just need to feel like they need to say something on the, the topic. But there was a lot of good ideas in there. And I think, you know, if, if some were implemented, it would make our sport better.
0: Yeah, I think overall, and, and again, I didn't sift through every one of these, like I, I saw a lot of as you mentioned, kind of selfish requests, like, well, I think racing would be better than uh, something yeah. that kind of catered to yourselves. I did see an overwhelming amount of some things that, like, I don't want to knock anyone's perspective. Like, I just saw some things that made me chuckle. Like, like you said, long throw buttons and to kind of along that theme, like electric shifters, air shifters, uh, no electronics was, a, was a, a common theme that I saw there. Those of you that are The people that are posting that stuff, do you fail to realize that if, let's say, you eliminated electronics, that the top 5% of racers that currently today, like in the box class, account for, what, maybe 10% of the wins would account for, like, 90% of the wins? Yes. Like, those aids don't help the best racers. They help the average racers. It tightens the playing field. So, If you want to make the argument that all of that stuff has driven the cost of racing up, you're absolutely correct. And I don't think that's a good thing. But from a standpoint of competitiveness and a more level playing field, like more parity, I would argue that all of those things in that way are good for our sport. I I guess what I would say is like, be careful what you wish for there.
1: You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely.
0: And and then I was kind of... I don't guess I should say surprised. And again, like, I don't don't mean to single things out and diminish the value of these conversations. Like, I think it's good that we're thinking along these lines, assuming that we're all kind of thinking in a positive direction of growing the sport. But what I saw a lot of was the best thing that we could do for bracket racing would be to eliminate buybacks or to eliminate double entries. And I don't disagree with that. Like, I'm not a huge fan of either of those things. Sure. But... History has proven that we support those things. In case in point, like the running joke probably 15 years ago was that the only thing that racers look at is the entry fee and what it pays to win. And I think we've come a long way to where we look more at payback. We look more at our total cost for the weekend, which would include your entries, potential double entries, buybacks, things like that. But largely, like, what's supported kind of follows that theory. Lower entry fee, bigger winner's purse, more cars. Case in point, like, the you take the the 10-tuck format, which personally, as a racer, is my, I think, the best format out there. Like, it's a high entry fee, zero buybacks, zero entry fees. That's what it was. It's not like that anymore because it wasn't supported. Yep. And like the, we put on the exclusive 150 race where you limits double entries and everybody says, that's a great format. We couldn't fill it last year. So while I don't disagree with any of this, like I would like to go to races with no buybacks and I wouldn't mind going to races where you couldn't double enter any which way. But the real vote isn't with our mouths or with our keyboard. It's with our wallets. And by far and wide, whether it's a local bracket event or a big dollar event, for decades what has been supported has been the lower entry fee, higher winner's purse, not necessarily great payback, with a round or two of buybacks. Because ultimately, I think we all look at that and say, well, I can race for X amount of money without spending a lot, and I'll probably win that round or two anyway, so I won't have to buy back. yeah and ultimately like we can talk all that we want but what's really supported is obviously what's going to drive the bus going forward
1: yeah it's it's simple economics loop we all learned a version of it through school and if you want to do away with buybacks that's just fine basically you're just everybody's going to buy back when they get to the gate and pay it up front and then you know the first round losers are done and they get to park it for the night or go home, whatever the case may be. So I'd favor that because I, I still think whoever the better racers are, are going to get it done. And, you know, if you eliminate buybacks, obviously some of the good racers are going to go out in round one and, and take away their chance of winning. So I guess it would accomplish something, but I don't think buybacks are killing the sport at all. I think they actually have helped keep it up and going and definitely keeping some tracks open. So I'd support no buyback races if that's what they were, but... I kind of like a do-over myself sometimes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think you could make an argument there either way. And if you asked me to argue on either side of it, I I think I could. And not to come across as like a complete negative Nancy on the subject. Like I'm not going to say, well, all those those ideas are stupid. Like that's kind of what the way I feel like I'm coming across here. Like I'll throw something into the conversation. To me, the biggest issue facing our sport and this is something we could probably dedicate an entire episode to and we may well in the future but i think the biggest issue facing us is simply the involvement of new racers like new blood into our sport and we've talked about that before here on the podcast and kind of uh, hammered home I-, I think michael beard actually had written a column on the feeder system so to speak you know that you're, you're yeah trophy class feeds into your sportsman class, which feeds into your pro class, which feeds into your super pro class, and your local events feed into the regional events that feed into your national events or big dollar races. And, and that's kind of the structure that's been in place for a long time. I'm not sure. And again, this is probably a, another subject for another day. The more that I think about it, I don't know that that school of thought, like that that progression is necessarily attainable going forward like i don't that may have run its course for a number of different reasons but what i think i would like to see more than anything and this is another idea that we've seen before that we've discussed to somewhat on the podcast that you were closely involved in was in its heyday the b&m series had a program and you would know the name of it because you were the instructor
1: gm performance true street
0: there you go That basically took anyone that was at the facility for the weekend, which was mostly family members and crew members of of the racers, Mm -hmm. anyone that wasn't competing and gave them an opportunity to compete. I think it was on Sunday mornings. I think they had a racer ride with them. Like something along those lines, not so much to run independent of the bigger events that seem to be so popular and so well-supported, but maybe that ran in conjunction with them to get the people that are at the racetrack and maybe also to develop some new interest in coming to the racetrack, give those people an opportunity to actually get out there and mix it up in competition and get a feel for what racing is all about. Because as we all know, bragger racing can be difficult to explain, but it's real easy to get hooked if you get out there and do it.
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if the feeder system is is the, the, the way we did it back then is the answer or what it is right now. But people today, Luke, the, the, the kids, the younger generation, they've never had to pump the gas two or three times to, to crank the car. They've never had to. <laughs> to get out and, and, and tighten a valve cover cause it was leaking oil on the exhaust, you know, these, what they've grown up with and video games and those things, you know, bracket racing doesn't pique their interest. And I get that And we've got to figure out a way to, to help get that done.
0: Yeah, and at least to me, that is a much bigger issue than anything really competition-based in today's bracket racing world. Like, there's some things that I would like to change. There's some things that everyone would like to change, but I don't know that any of it really moves the needle like a commitment to the next generation of racers would.
1: Yeah, so that's probably, like you said, another topic for another day, and hopefully we can dive into that some more and get some good out of it.
0: Yeah, now it is early December, but there was at least one big, big bucks bracket race event last weekend, Big
1: Jed. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's not spend a ton of time going over the results from the MVP Nationals at Huntsville, but let's at least highlight the winners.
1: Yeah, it was a really good event. Pretty rare to race 10-50-10 1st 10, week of December, but we had that at Huntsville Dragway. And we, we talked about the feeder system and people getting into sport. If they looked at my tickets from the weekend, Luke, Nobody would ever want to enter this sport because I drove way better than I did when I won at Prescott the week before and got way less results. Got my My, head caved in.
0: We all know that's because you were racing in Alabama and it's harder to win in Alabama than it is to win (laughs) anywhere.
1: That's a really good point, but it wasn't (laughs) Alabama people that were beating me. Uh, Apparently, it's harder to race in Nashville because if you live anywhere in the vicinity of Nashville, you are my daddy. Everybody from Nashville wore me out this weekend. Friday was a good day, 10 grander. Started out with Travis Nelson getting the win over Jody Davies. Jody beat me three times over the weekend uh, like a rented mule. It was awful. Saturday, our buddy Wade White, the oyster farmer, kicked the door down, got him a 50 grand win over ultra hot Kyle Green. Kyle, great guy from the North Alabama area. And Sunday, Bubba Travis got the win over our buddy Brandon Taylor to wrap up the 10 grander there on Sunday afternoon
0: yeah you mentioned Kyle Green with that runner-up in the 50 grander Kyle also won one of the 10 granders at Bowling Green the week prior so he was a candidate for the Who's Hot award but we ended up going a different direction shout out to Kyle Green but uh, it didn't quite match the accomplishments of our this week's Siebert performance Who's Hot award winner
2: he's on fire It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing.
1: Siebert Performance Who's Hot. Siebert Performance is now offering engine and carburetor packages. This week's featured package is the Pro Series Bracket 400. It is a 675 horsepower small block Chevrolet built with reliability and longevity in mind. It's got a dart block, AFR heads, vacuum pump, distributor, and optional Siebert Performance carburetor available as a package contact Luke Siebert at 785-286-6813 or check out com. Now, Luke, this week's Siebert Performance, who's hot, is a guy that uh, I'm pretty familiar with. Uh, hits the bottom, hits the top. Uh, he's just an all-around very talented racer from over in the southeastern part of North Carolina. And that is one Mr. Tommy Duff. Uh, Tommy Duff is... Uh, a really good guy and a great racer and Tommy had uh, pretty good performances here in the last couple of weeks went to the Tobacco Field Nationals uh, got the win on November the 11th and runner up on November the 12th uh, so a couple of final round finishes one of them resulting with a the win there that weekend the following weekend he goes to a 5k on the top and gets a win and then takes a runner up spot in the foot brake in the same night. Now that's uh, very difficult to do. I don't know if Tommy was hitting the top in the top or if he is foot breaking, but either way, it's very very difficult to go to the final in both classes with the concentration that takes. And Tommy's again a very very tough racer. He don't get out a whole lot in North Carolina, but he don't have to. He does really well, and he spanked me real good over there one time myself. So congratulations, Tommy Duff, for our Siebert Performance Who's Hot Award. I'll be all about
0: Jed, it is early December, and if there is such thing as a, as a downtime in our sport, this is it. And it came to our attention in discussing the show a week or two ago that, you know, we haven't done anything really fun on the podcast in, in a fair amount of time. You know, back mm-hmm. uh, early in the season, we, we told some funny stories. We had Rodney Fincham on. We had Gary Williams on. We, we talked about our most embarrassing moments, you know, and just had some laughs. Yeah, and, uh, we felt like it was time to lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah. So our topic of the week this is best that we could come up with. We wanted to talk, share a few stories about uh, some smack talk, whether it at the racetrack or via social media that we don't get a lot of that in our sport. But occasionally we, we do get some, sometimes it's a little bit heated, but I think for the most part, it's, it's kind of good natured ribbing. I know that you and I have got some stories. Both ways that we'll share with the audience as we go, but in talking about this, we, we had a there were a few racers that came to mind when we thought, you know, who could we have on as a guest to kind of shed some light and, and share some entertaining stories about their own smack talk experiences. And uh, we reached out to a, a couple of different racers, but the one that really jumped off the page was Slate Baby Gap coming. <laughs> That uh, Slate, as most of you know, driver of the Mosier Engineering stock entry, super stock entry, does some bracket racing, has incredible success in about whatever he gets behind the wheel of. But as we've talked on the show, Slate's also a guy that no matter what he's doing, likes to have a good time. And that certainly comes out in his racing and some of the banter that he has back and forth with other competitors, again, at the racetrack and via social media. So without further ado, I think we'll bring on Slate. He's not really the big interview because this isn't a big interview. We're just going to banter back and forth a little bit, so we, uh, we'll we make him the uh, guest of the week. it's uh, welcome, Slate Cummings.
2: It's that special time again. Here at the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed, call 1-900-909-9900 no and give active. us your hot takes. It's the guest hotline. All right,
1: as promised, we've got the man with us. He's a IHRA and NHRA standout tremendous bracket racer a guy that can get behind the wheel of just about everything and get it done and luckily he's a good smack talker and he'll let you know he can get it done slate cummings glad to have you on with us bud
2: man thank you all for having me appreciate it always fun to be with y'all too our pleasure
1: (laughs) our pleasure so slate Go ahead, Luke. I'm sorry.
0: No, I I was just going to lead in by saying that our listeners know that we think a lot of you on the racetrack, we've talked about you a good bit on the show, but the one thing that I always seem to preface our Slate Cummings discussions with is Slate likes to have a good time. Like, you tend to have fun in whatever it is that you're doing. And I know that some of our uh, at-track smack talk so to speak can get a little bit heated at times but for the most part being around you I think uh most of what you do and, and what you've been around has uh has kind of been more on the uh, on the good-natured side so I wanted to uh, kind of get your take and see if you had any good stories whether you were the talker or the talkie kind of going back <laughs> over your racing career really or, or in recent times
2: I guess, Luke, one of the, and Jed, one of the main stories that I probably have that's changed my outlook on a lot of things in racing is probably when I met Jay Higgins. I don't know if anybody knows Jay Higgins. <laughs> do y'all know him? I do
1: not. <laughs>
2: I had forgotten about this. You do not. Well, you probably, you, if you if you see him and you introduce yourself to him, be real nice and you want to be his friend. <laughs>
1: Uh, tell me more
2: <laughs> well i guess i don't know how many years ago it's been but probably i couldn't even tell you but again it was a mockley ihra probably a double so that's probably been 15 years ago me Britt, dad mom and we had david Levitino working for us at that time we pulled into a Mockley. of course we was really late so we got there and they were the, about the last spot at the racetrack was at the very end. You couldn't go too much further. I'll put it to you that way. So we pull in, and of course Jason Folk, Nick Folk, the whole our whole crew was down there. So it made it pretty good. I pull in, and they have a trailer there, and he's got two. He's got about two or three cones pulled out. So I pulled probably thirty feet away from his cones. And when I pulled in, he come out raging bull, and he took his <laughs> cones, and he he took it and he threw it as far as he can throw it. So I just looked over and I'm like, is this guy serious or did I do something wrong or what? You know, I got out the truck and I was driving and I went over and I said, man, uh, am I too close to you? You need some more room. You need me to pull over. You're, I want you. And he just started screaming at me. Man, I want you to park right here. I want you to get as close as you can to me for when I get out. And I, I built in the car to bust your ass with. I'm like, hold up, hold, hold up, let's start over. I said, I said, Let, let's start over. I said, do you need some more room? Nope. He took the other cone, he threw it the other way. So I said, uh, okay, uh, I said, well, well, what's the problem? I want you, I want Mr. Magazine to park by me right here. I don't want you to go another place. I said, I said, okay. I said, do you want me to move on further down? Nope. And he just screamed at me, you know, he was just, I mean, very, very, and this guy was pretty big dude, you know, and this was when I was about two eighty. I was pretty fat. Uh, I said, I said, okay. I said, no problem. So we parked and Jason folk, Nick folk, all of them was over at, the, uh, at their trailer. So I me and Britt, we walked over there. We started hanging out with this big old dude. He was standing at the back of his trailer. He was looking at us. He just staring us down with his arms balled up, his fists balled up, and just sat there and he stared at us. And I'm like, finally, I had had just about enough of it, which I'm pretty hot. Back then, I was real hot-headed. So I look over at him, and I I asked him, I said, just what are you looking at? I've had enough of you. I, He says, I'm looking at you. And he just started screaming at me again. I'm looking at you with the yellow hat on. That way you don't mistaken who I'm looking at. So about that time, I said, well, I've had enough. So i walk over there, fisted up. About that time, Britt walked up on him. And about that time, David heard us screaming. And he come from the backside, which were, the Cummins family, we got a pretty good story with us. We'll tell you. If you fight one of us, you're going to fight all of us. You're going to get hit from north, east, south, and west. We fight as troops. <laughs> so about that time, when David Levitino come around, he started dancing and uh, about to start swinging at us. And then he said, you know what? He said, F this. He said, honey, go get my gun. Oh. Hey, well guess what? His guess what his wife did? What would most wives do at this situation? They I would try to calm her husband down. You know what she did? <laughs> she went and got the gun. She, she, took, the gun. Off a, she took off in a full fledged sprint to get the gun. <laughs> and then about that time he says ain't nobody leaving here until somebody leaves in a body bag. Well about that mm. time I got scared and I took off running the other way. Rick <laughs> took off running and David took off running. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I met Jay Higgins, and after that, you know, I said I need to change my appearance or something. I I, I just scare people off. They need to. Just leave. I don't want to fight no more. I'm done with that. So this next had morning it... he come over. Next morning he come over and he said, "Man," he said, "I had, he, he knocked on the door. I didn't even want to open the door, you know. <laughs> so I eased the door open. And I looked at him. He said, "Man, I had a bad day yesterday. I'm sorry." I said, "Oh, you you had a bad day, really? <laughs> you know." <laughs> so that's about the best story i've got for you you know it was it, that's how i met jay higgins so i don't mess with nobody no more that's that's changed i, I try to, I try to weasel my way out of
0: it on how you approach these things at least a little bit
2: <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta approach people a different way nowadays but <laughs> guess what out. me and him me and him become best friends and uh we uh since then we've been become really good friends
1: well uh, all's well that ends well then
2: that's right. So That's what I,
1: I always say. I would think uh, a team full of championship racers and, and proud people like the Cummins boys and down in the bayou, I would think there was some smack talk within the team from time to time. I, is it, have we had any situations like that?
2: Well, we ride poor old Cole pretty good. You know, we always <laughs> smack talk with him. But he's the baby. He's the youngest, so... and. We got to leave Pop alone, because Pop, he's over 60, so you could really just piss him off in a heartbeat, (laughs) and he'll quit, he'll quit and not go back, so we kind of got to watch what we say to him. Pop get a little sense. Yeah, Britt's his own breed, you know, he's always going to mess with you, and he can take it. He can take blows and he can give them. So he's he's pretty good. We kind of smack talk back and forth a little bit, but Cole, we that's the one we've been riding here pretty hard. It's Cole. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Y'all y'all toughening t- him up, ain't you?
2: We trying. I like I say, yeah, that's Britt's son, so he's a different one. Slate, I told a story
0: months ago on the podcast, and I'll out myself a little bit here. Like you know, from being around me, like I tend to keep to myself. The last thing that I'm going to do is tell somebody how bad I'm about to whip them. For the most part, uh, on the racetrack. All right. but, but there was a time that probably it's probably it's been a good ten years ago. And I, again, I've told this story on the podcast before. But Phil Combs, very talented bottom-ball racer, really all-around racer from the uh, state of Kentucky, had got me worked up Going and very rather well. to the point one time that I told him before we ran that he just needed to look at his scoreboard when I left the starting line, and if his wind light didn't come on, not to worry about it, because it wouldn't. Now... <laughs> As it played out, this was a bottom ball race, and I was double-O, and I took double-O, and my wind light didn't come on, and I wanted to drive off the end of the racetrack. And since that day, I don't think I've spouted off anything like that to anyone. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Yeah. Thank you, Phil Combs. But <laughs> I did have a good one this year. And again, most of this stuff, I think, is, uh, is good-natured, like at heart. But sometimes it's not always taken the right way. This season, um, yeah, I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, for a division race. Okay, so I'm 40 hours from home, or somewhere close to that. Like, and, and keep in mind, like obviously I'm there for a reason. I'm competing, trying to make a run at the world championship. But as you well know, like I could win the race and not justify the trip financially, right? Well,
2: oh, absolutely.
0: I'm in a uh, third round, I think it is a super comp, and uh, I'm paired with this opponent, who well, I'll leave nameless, but uh, <laughs> we get to you know where we're paired up there at the back of the staging lanes, and uh, as he walks over, now I don't know this guy, I don't know 80% of the people there, I'm in Utah, right? And uh, this mm-hmm. dude walks up to me, and he's holding his phone out like to take a picture, and I look up, I don't know this is the guy that I'm about to run. And uh, he says, smile. And he, as he snaps the picture, he goes, this is what Luke Bogacki looks like before I beat him. And I just kind of looked at <laughs> nice. him, and he said, I'll come back for another picture after we run. And I kind of chuckled, and I thought, okay. And uh, <laughs> I just shrugged it off, and we flipped for lanes and this, that, and the other. So then um, we're about to get in our cars. And he says, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm about to be high teen, a couple thou under. What do you think of that? And I just kind of cut my eyes, and what I thought of that was, do it, and I'll own you. Because I ain't trying to be high team, but I just kind of right. chuckled and was like, go get him, buddy. And it just flew all over me. Like I ain't saying, obviously, whoever's at the racetrack, like he wants to win that round as much as I do. But I think it's safe to say that that round didn't mean as much to him as it did to me. So it really (laughs) flew all over me in the moment. And as it ends up, like, I don't want to, I don't tell this story to make myself sound like a hero, but I was three, take two. And he was 20 and, like, dead on zero or something like that. His wind light didn't come on. And he never did come back by for that (laughs) follow-up picture. (laughs) So
2: I wonder why. (laughs) That was my best one in recent
0: memory. And, again, I think that it was probably good-natured. It just didn't fly that way with me.
2: (laughs) Right, right.
1: So, Slate, you're a guy, I mean, you... I mean, let's face it, you're a guy that's been known to hold a number or 10, and I'm sure that some of the crowd you run around with don't think you can get by with that on them. I'm sure there's some some stories of some guys that, that told you that wasn't going to work on them or how the, your strategy wasn't going to play out right, and you showed them differently.
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess probably majority, I'd say probably 70% of the country probably knows that I'm holding most of the time. At some point in time, I don't really think I've had anybody say you're not gonna hold that much against me. But I guess about the best the best one I've had was I guess it was a Jags All Stars. Got to I got one of semis and then I was sitting around and my brother sitting my, I always ask my brother, I start getting nervous towards the finals, man, should I hold this much or should should I do this? He said, What got you here? I said, Holding. He said, Well do what you do. I'm like, Okay. So then I'm sitting around and I said, "Well, let me go see what's going on at the 770 Club or whatever they called it. I think it was the 760 Club or whatever." So I go down and Jeff Strickland's sitting there and Nick Folk and I said, "Man, he's the first thing I pull up. What are you going to hold this time?" I'm like, "What do you, you want me to hold, Jeff?" He goes, "Well, when's your son's birthday?" I said, "Well, it's uh, I think I was dialed nine oh something. I was holding like two tenths just or something like that." And he goes, "Well," he says when's your son's birthday i said the 11th 11th month he goes well dialed 9-11 i said well you got it jeff so i went up there and i dialed 9-11 <laughs> that's how i had my dial in for the card.
1: <laughs> pretty big deal it was a pretty big race i don't know if you know that
2: <laughs> Man, yeah I mean, yeah I, I was on full-fledged tilt when i left the house i was already mad so i said well i'm going this is what's gonna happen it's either gonna work or it's not
1: <laughs> it, Did it, it work?
2: Happen to work that time? It don't yeah. work all
1: the time, for sure. You it can, works a lot of the Jags All Stars for you.
0: Yeah, you can about set yeah. your calendar by the Jags All Stars. Slate Cummins is gonna it's <laughs> gonna make it a spectator sport, <laughs>
2: and typically it works out well. It is fun to watch you, Slate. Like. <laughs> yeah, I try to make it fun. I mean, like I say, y'all y'all know I am. I like to have fun. If you can't have fun, I'd soon not do it. And it's a lot of times you get to go to these races, and it's, sometimes they're just not no fun anymore. Yeah, and, no, it, you know, I like if that's one thing I can do to have fun, that's what we're going to do.
0: No, and it comes across without question. What about you, Big Jet? You got Any good smack talk stories?
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to smack talk anybody that I don't know. Now I get after my buddies. You know, if I run AJ Ash or Bones or somebody like that, I'm giving them a pretty hard time and they're giving it back. But probably about the best I've seen. And I'm sure you everybody's got their Adam Davis story. But probably the best I've seen was Adam Davis at Montgomery one year. Uh, we were running whatever foot brake race they were having; it was a big one, big deal. Adam was a guy that was holds a lot of numbers, probably six, seven. You know, everybody talked about how he's ripping the gas at half track and all this and that. And Wilbur Baxley rolled up in his yellow station wagon and his Chevelle station wagon. He was probably dialed 690, something or another, and Adam was probably dialed 660. And Wilbur said, Son, I've been watching you, and you pretty aggressive out there. you holding them numbers and laying down good runs. And he said, I tell you what, if you ain't better than 12 package right here, you might as well not waste your time. Now, this is foot breaking, so that's a, that's a pretty aggressive target. That you're looking for off the foot.
0: I could see the look on Adam's face as he said this. I'm picturing it right now.
1: I Adam, Adam, not so politely told him, sir, uh, if that's the best you're going to lay down, you might as well not waste your time. So now this man set a target of 12 and Adam Ooh. says that ain't even going to do it. And Adam was double O and took double O and laid him down about 10 total. And Wilbur was like 13 total and <laughs> it didn't get it done. Adam let him know about it. He had plenty of rips on the gas pedal to solidify his position.
0: You talk about AD. We, we probably ought to have him as part of this conversation because he may be the master and he's one that it's so funny because when he gets to talking That's when he's at his best. It's almost like he has to convince himself at times. (laughs) But I have, this is going way back to before he ran Stock Eliminator, just local bracket racing. We were at Sand Mountain Dragway in in Alabama. And at that time, you guys are going to think that I am exaggerating. You guys won't. Our, Our listeners will. But this literally, Sand Mountain raced every Friday night. From like it was a short season, maybe April to Labor Day. So I want to say they had like say 15 events that year, 15 Friday nights. And this is no kidding. I want to say Adam won 11 of them and runnered up a 12th. Like he, domination (laughs) wasn't the word. And he just ran all over them. And of course, that didn't sit well with the local crowd. So everybody's convinced that he's cheating. Jeff Rooks was running the track. Jeff. Tore him down a week or two, uh, just, just basically to, to shut everybody up. And um, there was one guy in particular. I think he had been the track champion out there a year or two prior. You know, like he ruled the roost before Adam showed up. And uh, so Adam's beating everybody. Well, this guy's the ringleader. He's cheating. There ain't no way. There ain't no way, You know, on and on and on. Well, to make matters worse all year long... Adam never split, so like it paid $600 to win. He got $600, like every Friday night, like his paycheck. <laughs> so the the year end race at Sand Mountain was always a, a Labor Day Monday, and it was like I don't know, three grand to win on top, a thousand to win on bottom. And Adam's in the final of foot break against this guy that's been the one, you know, ringing the bell all year long, saying there ain't no way. And uh, I was up in the staging lanes because I was still in Super Pro late. I'm sitting on the fender of my Vega. Adam is in the lanes, strapped in, helmet on, waiting on the guy. Door shut, ready to go. And the guy pulls in line behind him, hops out of his car, runs up there, opens Adam's door. Says, hey man, what are we going to do with the money? And I'm telling you, I wouldn't believe this if you told me this, but I was standing there. <laughs> Adam goes, it's a $1,000 to win. And the guy goes, yeah, I know, but it, it's, it's only $100 to run her up. What are we going to do with the money? Adam looks at him again and says, it's $1,000 to win. I realize it's $1,000 to win, but how do you want to split it up? It's $1,000 to win. And the guy says, man, are you serious? You don't, you don't want to do nothing? And Adam, I'm telling you, looks at him dead in the eye as stone-faced as can be and says, sir, if I can't whip you, I don't deserve but a hundred. Starts the car and drives into the water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did he get that it done?
2: That he's got it something too. I mean, he can tell you with a straight face and know he's wanting to laugh. <laughs> That's it.
0: Yeah, he got it done, Big Jen. He got it done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, I haven't been smack-talked a whole lot in my career. I, I guess I'm just a nice guy and people like me, so I don't get smack-talked very much, but... One time comes to mind, Fulton Dragway. Uh, they had a thousand dollar to win race in probably the mid to late nineties, and they had Foot Brake and then they had like True Street. So uh, we, me and a buddy of mine, Bubba Pierce, all go over there, and I'm driving my twelve second eighty model Chevrolet straight six cylinder pickup, and we make our time trials, and we where um, they call us up for first round of footbreak footbreak runs first and then true street runs so make my run and footbreak and get by with it and go run or getting ready to run true street but i hadn't pulled in the yet and the guy was parked by me and uh, he was from Glen allen alabama and he didn't really smack talk me but he he kind of disrespected me a little bit he come over and where are you from I'm from birmingham area oh that's good you uh you running footbreak with this yes sir yes sir i am i tell you what, bud. He said, they got a True Street class. You might want to get in that. You'll have a better chance. And I <laughs> said, really? They they got another class that you can race? And I said, what? Is it okay if I run both of them? He said, oh, yeah, but, you know, you won't have a chance against those race cars. You know, you need to get into True Street because that's trucks like this and cars like this. And, yes, sir. I appreciate that. So we rocked along there, and True Street was a short field. I'd already won it and then was uh sitting on the buy at three in uh, foot break and he had been out for quite a while but he stuck around to watch see so who got that thousand he had been in the sauce pretty good he walked over to the truck and i said oh boy here we go and what was, was, i was waiting to go pull up in the lanes and he said you do this a lot don't you I said, yes, sir, I do. This ain't my first time. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I went on 1,000, too. So he, dis- he didn't smack talk me, but he did disrespect me. That's back when I was a good racer, though. That was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like people coming in there winning their money. No, they usually don't.
0: Well, Slane, so- I can just imagine, like, we talk about this, but, like, in, in your current state, A., Probably not a whole lot of people want to give you too much lip because they understand how accomplished and, and talented you are behind the wheel. And B, these days you're all bowed up. Like if I didn't, know you, I wouldn't <laughs> want to talk too much either. So you you probably don't get a lot of smack talk in the
2: other lane, do you? I don't get that much. Dog. You know, that's why I told you Jay Higgins cured me of that. I went and got all swollen up. That way if they look at me and like. Mm. I don't think I'm going to mess with it. I'm just going to shut up. And they, <laughs> see, we get causes a lot of, that don't cause no more trouble that way when they just don't leave me alone. Well, I've seen I, you I, get I, after. I will tell you that the, the best ones that usually smack talk me the best is the older guys. By the time you come up in the stage lanes before you get out of your car, when you're pulling up, they've got their arm up in the air with their quarter sitting on the thumb. <laughs> they are ready to flip that quarter for lane choice,
1: and you don't hurry so, to the lanes either. So uh, no, that's already got them jacked up.
2: <laughs> so I've done got it to now where uh, me and Brett we usually me and Brett usually mess with them pretty good now because you already know they when they got that quarter on that thumb that they're ready so i wait I, I let it hit the ground half times and just look at it I and mean, whatever if it's heads or tails i'll just tell them heads, and they just look at me like you can't do that i'm like well you said call it huh? i on so I was, now we've got it to where we'll call it like that and then they'll get all irate I mean, you can't do that so i tell them okay heads i win tails you lose <laughs> they'll flip it again i'll say i win you can't do that either. <laughs> I'm like, I said, heads on win, tails you lose. So now we, me and Britt's actually got another one for him this year. We're just going to tell him tails on the ground. Can't lose that way either, right? <laughs> yeah. It's so either going to be I up or down. I, I, that's right. Tales <laughs> I win.
1: <laughs> Slate, is there one guy out there that just really tries to get after you? Just Just that one guy you know every time you run him. He's just going to be a pain.
2: You mean as far as smack talking?
1: Yes, as far as getting after you pre-race.
2: Ed Wright. Ed Wright. Ed Wright. You can bet that he's going to have some kind of smack talk for you. It don't matter. He usually starts when he, as soon as he sees he's got you, if if he's got a ladder, he's coming by your trailer. He's going to (laughs) start. Then he leaves out of, man, you ain't. Then he leaves, and by the time he gets ready to leave, you know I'm just messing, right? You know I'm just messing. I'm like, yeah, Mr. Ed, I know you're messing. So I think we run this year at Tulsa. I pulled in lanes, and here he comes. You're going to take it easy on this old man, ain't you? I said, Mr. Ed, I'm going to tell you right now. Last time I ran, you cracked my ass. I think you was like 001 on me. And I was like 8 taking 11, and I was just in your damn way. I said, so I'm going to tell you what. And I told him this time, because he, I swear to you all, it's every single time I run him. And he's doing it just for the goodness of his heart, and I know that. And it doesn't make me mad. It doesn't get in my head or anything, but I just like, I like it because he's still, it actually, the older, the older generation, it just makes them have a good time knowing that they can smack talk you, you know, and they think that That's it's random. getting to you. So I let him do his thing. Well, we pulled up at Tulsa and we was in the semis and I, he started on me. I said, Mr. Ed, it ain't going to do you no good to talk. I said, cause I'm fixing to be double O. And I said, I am fixing to just whip your ass. <laughs> And he just looked at me. <laughs> he goes, Well, hell, I guess I'll just get in my car. And I said, That's going to be the best thing you can do. I said, Because it ain't going to help you this time. I said, I took my ass whipping like a man last time. <laughs> well, guess what? He whooped he, my ass again. He
1: did it to you again. He,
2: did. he beat me again. He whooped my ass again. I said, I beat them. So <laughs> smack talking don't help me I just try to shut my mouth and if it's an older guy and they walk up to me usually they'll walk up to me and say oh man you're famous I can't be glad to finally get to meet you and shake man I walked over to Chicago and told Britt one did me that he was about 80 something years old I said I'm beat Britt said what do you mean you beat I said watch what I'm telling you he's fixing to be almost perfect and he's going dead on no way I said, watch what I'm telling you. <laughs> Chicago, I'm, I think I'm 11-take-8. I'm in the way. My man I was know. 100 and dead on. <laughs> you brought up I'm a like, good one. I
0: do get that a lot. Hey, man, take it easy on me out there. I don't think I've ever told anybody
2: that in my life. Take it easy on me. I don't me. think I – yeah, take <laughs> it easy on me. I'm older. Take it easy. That's, that's, that's a good one right there. So I just I – just, it's unbelievable.
0: I'll close this segment with one line that might be the funniest thing I've ever heard. And I don't know that it was necessarily pre-race smack talk. And from who it was coming from, like it was just so matter of fact, like, well, you should know this. But I'm going to have to back up a little bit and tell a little bit of story. Jed, I know you remember the days when, and this is still something that gets under my skin personally, and not much really does, but we had a, a, a big fallout. Uh, as a racing community, that big dollar bracket racing community, probably, probably close to a decade ago over ripping the throttle past the finish line. Right. Yes.
1: Yeah, rubbing oh. it in. And
0: to this day, that's something that if that happens beside me, my first instinct is to cut the wheel and run them over. It flies all <laughs> over me. But uh, anyhow, <laughs> this, the way that this shook down, it was a big, long story. And, and um, <laughs> I'm trying to cut out the parts of it that aren't really pertinent. But after it was all said and done, the, uh, the racer that, that was uh, that was doing the, the post-finish line ripping was standing there after hours, you know, post-race, barbecue, a few beers, things like that. And Edmund Richardson walked up to him. And I don't think Edmund would mind me telling this story because, again, it is hilarious. And Edmund had nothing to do with the on-track incident he <laughs> walks up to this racer that was rubbing it in a little bit after his wind light come on. And uh, he just looked at him and he said, it, and I guess I need to preface the story a little bit. The, the Said racer beat our buddy Bones at, in the semifinals and ripped it like to the ET shack, right? <laughs> and it flew no, all over Bones. Well, Bones was double-ended and ended up coming back to beat him in the final. But the, it was a whole fallout all throughout the pits, right? It was a big deal. So Edmund walks up to this, <laughs> this racer after everything's said and done, and it's done, died down, and calmed down. It's been two hours. And uh, he says, hey, man, I-, I can't fault you. Hell, you was excited. I mean, if I was you and I beat him, <laughs> I'd be excited too. <laughs> Best line I've ever heard, and what I've always tried to keep in mind every time that I get that throttle action past the finish line. <laughs> Yeah, hey, that
1: is that is a little salt in the wound. I'm not a fan either. <laughs> well, slate, but we appreciate you taking some time to join us. Always a good time to chat with you, and really cool having you on the show and telling some of your stories too. We appreciate you spending a little bit of time Anytime, with us this guys. evening.
2: Anytime, guys, just blessing to be with y'all. I'm glad y'all are doing the podcast. Got a lot of listeners. It's making the racing world better.
1: We appreciate that, my friend.
2: Thanks for making the time, big fella. Y'all have a good one. Hey y'all too, man. See y'all next time. See
0: you bud. This Is Bracket Racing is proud to announce a free email training sequence that we're calling This Is Bracket Racing's 10 Days of Christmas. It is the most intense and detailed package we've ever given away, with 10 training sessions dedicated to all aspects of on-track success, basically one for each level of the This Is Bracket Racing Elite Pyramid. We've put a lot of work into assembling our 10 Days of Christmas, so I hope that you enjoy it. You can find the link to this free 10 Days of Christmas program just about anywhere. It's on thisisbracketracing.com. You can find it on the This Is Bracket Racing Facebook page, on my personal Twitter page, in a thread on the Bracket Talk discussion board of dragressresults.com, and more. As always, learn more about what we have to offer and the exclusive This Is Bracket Racing Elite membership community on thisisbracketracing.com. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And and, and you can do that on... Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe that way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor: tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day.
1: If it's time to upgrade your support equipment, be it trailer or RV, check out RacingRVs.com or give Joe a call at four one nine two three six one three two eight why racing rvs well for one they support sportsman drag racing like no other racing rvs is the presenting sponsor of the nhra top dragster and top sportsman categories they're heavily involved in all of the sfg events they sponsor a number of successful sportsman racers and they presented nearly every episode of this podcast but what can racing rvs do for you They have quality coaches and trailers at fair prices. They've got newer used trade-ins. They do financing, consignment, nationwide delivery. No matter your need, Racing RVs should be your first phone call. If you're attending the PRI show this week, you'll want to be sure to stop by the Racing RVs display at booths 2960 and 9970
2: do the Kevin Brandon later, smack across the land, then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ. You've been waiting all winter long.
1: Them go Honey, where are we racing next week?
2: It's time to discuss next week's major events, news updates, releases, and announcements. It's what's on tap. All right,
1: Luke. So, I want to talk about what's on tap? Uh, the Summit Sportsman Spectacular. Some more information has been released. Uh, they have posted their first event, and um looks like it's going to be pretty cool, really. I, I'm pleasantly surprised at what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, at least the uh, the initial event has been announced, like you said, March 9th through 11th. It's actually at Extreme Raceway, which is the new track going up in Ferris, Texas, not too far from uh, where I grew up. We actually used to play sports against Ferris. They were in our district at Kennedale High School. Really? Um, yes, that's a fact. Yeah, I agree. This, uh, this looks intriguing and it basically, what they've released to this point kind of follows suit as to what we had hoped they would do or what we said that we would do if we were IHRA. Saturday's event in March is $10,000 to win. The Sunday race is $5,000 to win. If you pre-enter Saturday's race online, your entry to the Sunday race is free. Throwing in contingency bonuses for all Summit Super Series members plus some extra bonuses. For the Summit Super Series member that goes furthest down elimination, decent payback, decent round money, cheap entry fee. What they haven't gone into just yet is the details on the Point Series, which I would assume is going to accompany this. And I think will largely, I don't want to say make or break, but either get people excited about chasing this on a national or regional level. I think as it is right now, if you see this event come to a racetrack near you, you're fired up about it. I think the next step for IHRA is to make it to where the racer that, that wins this race in Texas wants to go to the one in Baton Rouge or in Memphis or wherever the next closest one is. And I think that the points program is the way that they'll accomplish that.
1: Yeah, that's uh, hopefully definitely going to happen. Um, you know, it's a, it's going to be a good way to start your year. It's March the 9th or the 11th. As you said, 10000 on Saturday. If you pre-enter, you get to run Sunday's uh, five grander for free. And the round money is, uh, it's $100 on Saturday's 10, but they also have $100 round money on uh, Sunday's five grander. So a uh, reason to stick around Sunday and race, a reason to pre-enter, the purses are guaranteed. There's no minimums, so they're paying it. You might as well go get it, especially if you're anywhere near Extreme Raceway out there in Ferris, Texas. So uh, hopefully um, these guys are on the right track. Hopefully they have a staff that understands how big money bracket racing is being run at a successful level right now. Luke, that's a little bit of a concern for me.
0: I talked about the the point series. That's truly what will make or break this deal. I agree.
1: Yeah. So um, hopefully they've enlisted the help of somebody that that knows the ins and outs and can help them put together a a solid, successful, racer-friendly program and have some consistencies that uh, we see in the big money bracket races that are doing it at a high level. If that happens, I think it should be really good. Looking forward to seeing how it plays out in March out there in Texas.
0: Yeah, What's on Tap is actually kind of dominated by the Lone Star State this weekend. The other event that uh, caught my attention that I wanted to talk about was uh, an event that Britt Cummings is putting on. We actually probably could have uh, run this by slate to get his thoughts on it, but uh, they're calling it Money Monday. It's going to happen April 16th, and April 16th is the Monday following a doubleheader divisional at the Texas Motorplex. So there's two divisionals, runs Thursday through Saturday, Money Monday will, is, is the Monday after the event, obviously, in which all of the typical NHRA classes will be contested, top dragster, top sportsman, stock, super stock, 899, 90, 1090, with the exception that there's no points awarded, just money. And it's a uh, much larger money than we're accustomed to running for in mm-hmm. those classes. Entry is $300 per class, which is similar to a national event entry fee. Assuming the class has 50 cars, we'll pay $10,000 to win. If not, with a 25 car minimum, it'll be $5,000 to win. And again, that's all of your typical NHRA classes, top dragster, top sportsman, stock, superstock, 8.99, 990, and 1090. Obviously more details to come, but. That is an exciting development. I know it's not for everybody. You've already committed three or four days to that event, being a doubleheader divisional. But on the other hand, you're already there. Race for more money than you have all weekend, running the same classes on the same racetrack. It looks like a good idea to me.
1: Yeah, it looks like it's really going to be great, um, and for those of you that haven't uh, spent much time in the bracket racing world and been able to be a part of things that Britt's involved in, rest assured, it'll be a, a very well-run program, uh, organized, and um, hopefully pay out a lot of money. You guys, you deserve it. You got a lot of money in your cars, so it's time for you to get some of it back. You know, so we wish Britt a lot of luck with that. And uh, Luke, speaking of Texas, we've got to give a shout-out to our buddy Chase. Uh, Chase Huffman, uh, Texas is dominating the what's on tap. Um, our new show logo is the bomb.
0: Yeah, it's on point, Big Jed. And we've got a little issue. This is not Chase's problem. Chase did all the design. We've got this uploaded to our to our podcast affiliate. But for some reason, I've noticed it doesn't come through on uh, on iTunes and Stitcher just yet. Not sure exactly why. That's honestly a little bit over our head. Um, but we're going to yeah. really figure that out. I know on our Facebook page, and if you're listening to us direct on the Libsyn feed, you can see the new podcast logo. And again, shout out to Chase for uh, his help uh, assisting with that design. Assisting, heck, uh, he did the design. But we, we just told him, yeah. hey, we needed something new, and he came <laughs> <out>. <laughs> if
2: you want that money, And if you want that truck, you And if you want to be a win-
1: all right, that wraps up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Uh, definitely want to say thanks to our sponsors, Siebert Performance. This is Bracket Racing Elite and Racing RVs. And a uh, special shout-out to our guest, Slate Cummings. Uh, Slate, always fun to hang around with and, uh, and chat with. He had some good stories there. We appreciate that. Thanks to PJ North for the music, uh, as always, doing us a wonderful job there. And our assistant, Mark Romeo, for all of his help in putting the show together. So guys, be sure to tell us what you think message us on the sportsman drag racing podcast, Facebook page. You can send us a direct message right there and either Luke myself or Mark gets it. Typically it's Mark cause he's on top of things really well and um, hopefully get your response, but message us, um, you know, what you think about the show. We'd love to hear your feedback, good or bad. And um, definitely keep up with us on Twitter. If you'd like to, to tweet Luke and I enjoy the interaction there as well. You can catch him at Luke Bogacki. That's B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And I am at JP11X.
0: Yeah, I'll follow up on that just real quickly, Jed, before we close out the show. Slate Cummings shared some of his smack talk stories, as did I, as did you, Big Jed. Mm -hmm. We'll put the poll out to our listeners, and I'm sure Mark will make some uh, posts on the Facebook page throughout the week. But share with us your smack talk stories. I don't know that we'll necessarily make another episode of this. We might if we get some good ones, but uh, it would definitely make for some fun reading on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Thank you guys for listening. We'll touch base next week.
1: See you guys.
2: Banging on the door. Bump, bump, until I get in it. like I am already winning it. anything. Bye.